to look a little bit uh, difficult for you, a little bit strange for you, um, but the Lord will help you. Hallelujah. Today I want to deal with the issue of fire as it relates to an extent with hellfire. Um, relating to part of what we dealt with last week, which has to do with the issue of everlasting. Hallelujah. Don't forget we are still on our topic on what she would believe. Total annihilation, eternal torment, or total reconciliation. Now, let's look at the word today. We want to look at the word fire today very briefly using one or two scriptures along this line. First of all, in the book of Luke chapter 12 verse 49, you can turn about that in your Bible. Luke chapter 12 and verse 49. Hallelujah. Just want to look at that and see what Jesus said. Jesus said something in that particular passage and he said, Hallelujah. I am come to set fire on the earth, and what will I if it be already kindled? Essentially, what he's saying is, I've come to set fire on the earth, and I wish it be already kindled. And there is a need for us to find out the kind of fire that Jesus came to set upon the face of the earth. It's important we understand that Jesus has his own kind of fire from the one that we think about. Hallelujah. We will be thinking of literal fire, but Jesus may have something completely different from the kind of fire we are thinking about. So anytime you think about hell fire, I want you to begin to think from today in relation to the way Jesus thinks or thought. Or is even thinking right now. Now turn to the book of Malachi chapter 3. And let's look at verse 1 to 3. Malachi chapter 3 from verse 1 to 3. It said, Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you see shall suddenly come to his temple. Even the messenger of the covenant whom you delight in, behold, he shall come, say the Lord of hosts. But who may abide in the day of his coming? And who shall stand when he appeareth? For it is like a refiner's fire, like a fuller's soap. And he shall see it as a refiner and a purifier of silver. And he shall purify the sons of Levi, please know that, and purge them as gold and silver that they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. Know that. Praise the living God. Amen. I want you to consider certain things here, or we're going to consider a few things here together. First of all, there is a need for the source of Levi to go through fire. It's very important. And we must understand who are the source of Levi. We need to understand that if they don't pass through this particular fire, the sacrifices will not be acceptable. Praise the living God. Okay. Now, back to your outline. Looking at the above scriptures, in 
one that is in Luke, Jesus is the one kindling the fire or setting the fire on. Amen? Are you there with me? In Luke 12, 49. And in the second, he applies the fire directly to the priesthood, the source of Levi. Are we together? Now don't forget, we as believers are what? A royal priesthood. So, of truth, of the truth, today we can be termed the Levites. Do you understand that? Don't forget that even Aaron was a Levite, but of a higher order. Let me put it that way. Because he was from the, the tribe of Levi, but he was made a high priest. Okay? Now, the Bible talks about we all being royal priesthood. So, we can say we are all Levites. Now, if the Bible is saying the source of Levi has to be purified before they can offer up an acceptable sacrifice in righteousness unto God, what do you think will happen to those who are Levites of today? Suddenly, they must pass through fire. Hello, somebody? Hallelujah. Okay. Now, let's move on. Besides, in Mark chapter 9 verse 49, when Jesus really dealt with the issue of hellfire, which actually should be Gehenna in the true sense, we are told, for everyone shall be sorted with fire, and every sacrifice shall be sorted with thought. Hallelujah. Now turn to the book of Romans chapter 12 verse 1. In Romans chapter 12 verse 1 we are told, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the masses of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is what? Your reasonable service. Now think about this. The Bible says, Every sacrifice must be salted with fire. Are you following me? Good. Now, in Romans 12, the Bible says we ought to offer ourselves unto God as what? A living sacrifice. Now, if every sacrifice must be salted with fire, what are we expecting from God? Are you there with me? We expect what? Fire from Hallelujah. Listen again. First of all, the Malachi he said he's going to sit in the temple of God to purify the source of Levi so that they can offer up an acceptable and righteous offering unto who? Unto God. In Mark chapter 9, verse 49, he said, Every sacrifice must be salted with what? With fire and with salt. For God to accept it, it must be salted with fire. Now, in Romans 12, the Bible says, We should present our bodies as a living sacrifice unto who? Unto God. Now, if we present our body as a living sacrifice unto God, what do you expect God to do with us? He will set fire on us. Otherwise, we cannot be acceptable to Him. So, get ready to go through hell. Hallelujah. 
I want to make you understand that there are no two fires in the Bible, just one fire. Anybody can begin to twine in whichever way. It is just one fire. There are no two. Hallelujah. I want to ask somebody a question. We're talking about Sodom and Gomorrah and all that. I said, go read your Bible and find out where the fire came from, where the brimstone came from. The Bible says, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven. So where did fire burn and brimstone? It's in heaven. You don't find it in hell. I don't know if you have followed. Did, have you read out your Bible? It says, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven, directly from God. It's not somewhere in the hole. It's up there in the heavens. So the best place to get to hell is to go to heaven anyway. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> because the fire is already there. Amen. It simply means an instrument in God's hand and it releases it for a definite purpose. As simple as that. Hallelujah. Okay. So we being sacrifices, we need to expect this fire of God before we can become acceptable sacrifices unto the Father. Hallelujah. You may think, oh, well, this has to do with discipline. Whichever way, whether it's discipline, whether it's chastisement, anything you want to name it, fire is simply what? Fire. Amen? Okay. I remember we said something very unique last week. That everything is what? What? Every sin, every transgression is what? Pardonable. Have you forgotten that? Because we declare the time and the year of Jubilee. How many of you were in Bible study last week? Okay, you remember that? That there's a time of Jubilee that every debt that is owed is what? Cancelled. Can you remember that? Okay. So you cannot find eternal torment as long as there is a year of what? Jubilee. I don't know if you follow what I'm talking about. You can't find it. Because it comes to a point that every death the person owes is what? Cancelled. And they are free. So whether the person is in hell or not, when the time of Jubilee comes, it gets out. Is it clear? Take time to read and to study that outline again or get it in. It's going to help you. And it's very, very important you understand this because it's something that will make your mind to be so established in God. Listen to me, people of God. There is a need for us to preach what God wants and not what people think or to be intimidated because of what people think or feel. Is it clear? Maybe that's why I'm a little bit different. I just want to preach what I see, not what somebody says. Hallelujah. Okay. So here the Bible says, we are living sacrifices, and we go to offer our body as a living sacrifice to God, and that every sacrifice must be sorted with fire, so we must be sorted with fire. Is anybody there with me? Alright. Now move on. So, who do you really think this, what is it, the fire is directed against? According to the book of Luke there, and then the uh, book of uh, Malachi. It is directed towards the sons of God. Is it clear? Come on, let's, let's understand it. Am I making sense to you? Good. Let's understand it. Uh, there's a need for us sometimes 
And let me not say that so that you don't get confused about me. So, are we saying that then that those children we go through hellfire? It's just a question, and I'm, I'm leaving it open for you. It's an open-ended question. You fill in the gap. <laughs> Hallelujah. Are we saying those children we go through hellfire or not? Is hellfire meant for sinners? Or even children of God. Are you still there? Do not forget one basic fact. Uh, a few weeks ago we dealt with that particular issue. In the book of Mark chapter 9. Jesus was not dealing with unbelievers. Can you still remember that? He was dealing with three people. His own apostles. Amen. He never said that to an unbeliever. Praise the living God somebody. Alright, so whatever fires that God has is directed against His own people. Praise the living God. Hallelujah. Okay, let's move on now. Are we still here? Now, beside the scripture, a careful look at what we are considering will reveal one major fact. Fire. No matter how you want to look at it, it's a purifying or cleansing agent. Can somebody say amen? Uh, this is why we are told in Malachi 3, 1 to 3, that the Lord himself, who is the refiner's fire, will sit in his temple of God, which you and I are. We are the temple of God, are we not? And he said he will sit in us to do what? To purify us. Now we think most often when God sits in us, it is only to glorify us. We can't be glorified until we are first what? Purified. And it's not going to do it from the outside. It does it from the inside. Are you getting that? Sweet place to be here. Hallelujah. <laughs> now why? It is so that through the agency of his fire, he might purify the sons of Levi. Why? That they may offer up sacrifice that is what acceptable unto him. In other words, without the sons of Levi, the priesthood community, passing through the fire, their sacrifices will not be what acceptable to God. Am I correct? And that is the praise and that is the issue with Brother Job that I just mentioned. He had all sweet things around him, beautiful things, words around him. But none of those things have been purified. Not even his life have been purified. Hallelujah. Amen. You see, we are dealing with a father who understands certain things that we do not understand. What is actually menacing to me the more now is just yield unto him. Let him do whatever thing he wants to do with you. Hallelujah. Are you listening? Okay. And that is why I discovered that you can get into a certain atmosphere in God. I might be thinking, oh, you've arrived. But before you know it, something that begins to happen. You begin to wonder, why is it happening to me? Such mighty man or a mighty woman of God. It is because you've not really initially passed through your fire. And you must pass through your fire. Because worship and all that we do, they are all what was sacrifices unto the Father. Hallelujah. Whether we are preachers or ministers, whatever it is, these are offerings unto the Lord. 
Amen. And God is not going to use any instrument that have not truly passed through the fire. So whether you be or not, get ready for one. Hallelujah. Let's move on now. Amen. Now we find that every sacrifice must be sorted with fire because everyone is seen as a sacrifice before God. We find that in, remember, in Mark chapter 9 verse 49 and Romans 12 verse 1. Is that not true? Good. So every sacrifice must be sorted with fire. So if every sacrifice must be sorted with fire, that means everyone must be sorted with fire. Because all mankind, to me, they are all sacrifices before the Father. Hello, someone. Is it clear? Everyone must be sorted with fire. Whether you believe or you're not a believer, you must be sorted with fire. No two ways about that. I only want to believe that perhaps the intensity of the fire of you as a believer might be a little bit lesser than that of the unbeliever. Because the truth of the matter is, to an extent, you've received some, some measure of God in your life. The dross that is remaining in you is within your soul and your body. Your spirit is already alight through the Holy Spirit. Are you listening to me? Hallelujah. Is it clear to us? Okay. But to the unbeliever, both his spirit, his soul, and his body, they are still contaminated. Therefore, the, the, the degree of heat that we need to get out cannot be the same with your own. But at the same time, to whom much is given, much is required. <laughs> hallelujah. I say hallelujah. God is good. Even with hair fire too. <laughs> hallelujah. Okay. Let's move on now. Look at this uh, exciting passage about the fire of God. I want us to look at something in the book of 1 Corinthians, um, chapter 3. Let's look at from 12, 1 Corinthians 3, from verse 12 to 15. First Corinthians 3, 12 to 15. Let's see. Are we all there? Praise Any man build upon this foundation, talking about apostles, gold, under Jesus Christ, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of all sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereup, or thereupon, he shall receive a reward, not the word reward. If any man's work shall be burnt, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved, yes, so as by what? Fire. Hallelujah. Praise the living God. Bible is telling us here that the way you relate to God, the way you walk with God, the way you carry on, whether it be ministry or anything, you know, you call yourself a deacon or anything, the way you carry on with God, 
God is going to be tried. And the Bible says, when this fire comes upon you, you may suffer loss. That is to say, all that you think you have been able to build for God may amount to nothing before God. Hallelujah. And at the end, though you shall be saved, you will not be rewarded for what you think you worked for. Now, Jesus put it this way in Matthew 7. He said, at that day, men shall say, Lord, Lord, we know you. We've done great things and wonders and miracles. Don't heal in your name. And I will reply and say, go away from me, you that walk in iniquity. Are you listening to me? All right. You know that what they did ministry, yes? They did signs and wonders. Yes? They healed people, yes? But they were not according to pattern. They were not according to rules. Hallelujah. Now, if I can tell you this, you are not walking in vain. So what? Praise the Lord. So what does 
other side. Am I correct? Hallelujah. Now, Richard, get into the lake of fire. I don't want to share a little bit on this. Maybe next week I will be more fully lake of fire. If you reject the blood of Jesus, the only alternative left for you is what? A lake of fire. Hallelujah. I say hallelujah. Alright. Let's move on. So let me say a little word here about the lake of fire. The Bible fire, I mean the Bible for instance, rightly describes that or declares that we should cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfected holiness in the fear of God. That's 2 Corinthians 7 verse 1. Hallelujah. Are you listening? What did he say? He said, we should do what? Cleanse ourselves from what? Our filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Because we do have the promise of becoming the source of God. That is from chapter 6 and the last two verses. He said, what has the temple of God got to do with Belia? Remember that? He said, be ye separate. For your Lord God is separate. That you may be my son, I'll be your daughter. I mean, you be my daughters, you be my sons, and I'll be a father unto you. Can you remember that? And then, verse 1 of chapter 7, it says, Since we are to become the sons of God, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit. Is it clear to us? Hallelujah. All because God wants to make us his sons. Now, but how do we do this? Through what? The application of the blood of Jesus. But least of from what? All righteousness. First John chapter 1 and verse 7. You read the Bible there. The Bible says the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all what? All righteousness. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all righteousness. I've only been telling us this. Remember, in the book of Hebrews chapter 9, the Bible tells us, chapter 9 down to chapter 10, specifically chapter 9, talking about the priesthood of Jesus, he made it very clear to us that the sacrifices of old were there until the time of the restitutions or the reformation, and that most of those things that were being done cannot cleanse men. Okay? From the conscience, or touching the conscience. It cannot cleanse man as pertaining the conscience. Can you remember that? It's only the blood of Jesus that has the power to cleanse what? Our conscience. The sacrifice that were done, they were external. But the problem is eternal. Are you listening? Praise the living God. Therefore, if you must deal with an eternal issue, you need the eternal blood of Jesus. Amen? Are you here with me? Alright. So, we find that it's the blood of Jesus that cleanses us. Now, uh, let me say this again. It is good to plead the blood of Jesus against the devil, but sometimes we need it more for ourselves. Amen. Hallelujah. When we plead it, let us plead it with an understanding. It will work for us. The Bible said the blood cleans our conscience from what? All unrighteousness. Now, if you don't accept the blood to cleanse you from all unrighteousness, the only option left for God to cleanse you is what? 
the lake of fire. Are you listening? So you can avoid the lake of fire if you have felt the blood. Glory to God. Okay, let's read on. But where this is rejected, then such an individual shall be cast into the lake of fire. For the very same purpose to cleanse or burn of what? The impurities in their lives. Amen? Praise the Lord. Don't forget the key. Every sacrifice must be what? Sorted with fire. Every. Every. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice means everyone, whether you are a Christian or a Christian, you're going to face the presence of God. You must pass through His fire. Let me quickly explain this. In the garden, when man was driven out, something was placed there. What was that? Flaming sword of the cherubims. Flaming fire was placed there at the entrance to the tree of life. It means you can't touch the tree of life without a fire. You must partake of the tree of life, but you can't get there until you pass through the fire that was by the gate. Are you listening to what I'm saying? There is no way you return back to God from the Adamic life without the fire of God. It's not possible. Praise the Lord. Let's move on now. So what truly is the lake of fire? It's a simple lake. Now, I want us to read something from the book of Revelation chapter 20, verse 11 to 15. Turn your Bibles over there. Revelation 20, 11 to 15. The Bible says, I saw a great white throne. Are you there with me? If you are there, say amen. I know you will say that even if you are not there, not to offend me. <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay, look at it. It said, I saw a great white throne, and he who sat upon it, from whose presence earth and heaven fled away. That's an interesting word. <laughs> no earth, no heaven. So, it's okay. People need to understand what earth and heaven really means. And no place was found for them. And I saw the dead. Do you want me to explain something about that? No. Let's just move on. And I saw the dead great, and a small standing before the throne. And books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged from the things which were written in the books according to their, book, their deeds, reward, or activities. Hallelujah. And none was it. And death and hell were thrown into the lake of fire. Now don't forget that. Death and hell equally, what people is afraid of, they are going into another realm. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Hallelujah. Praise the living God. Can we move on now? Okay. Note that this judgment is for the deeds of men. Please, I want you to know that. Is it clear? They were judged according to what? Their deeds. But we are saved by grace, meaning that those who have accepted the sacrifice of Christ cannot be brought to this judgment because their merit is in
and the blood of Christ, not what they can do. Hallelujah. Did anybody follow what I said there? Listen closely. The Bible said they were joined according to their deeds, their activities, their actions, their performances. It's not the same man saying, Lord, I cast a devil in the name. Are you following what I'm talking about? You are judged according to your actions, your deeds. Did actually here is talking about, let us look at it from this other context. How the Lord God anointed Jesus. The merit of the sacrifice of who? Of Jesus. That's why the Bible says, you are sinners saved by what? By grace. Not because of what you can do. Are you listening? Hallelujah. Praise the living God somebody. You know, St. Paul says something that shocked me in the book of Romans. I think chapter 7. When he said, with my spirit, I will serve the Lord. With my flesh, what did he say we do? Oh, you don't take time to read the Bible. I'm not giving that to you as an expert. But what he was trying to talk about is that he found that when he wants to do good, he discovered that evil is present with him. Have you read that? Say, oh wretched man that I am. Now he's speaking about his natural man that is warring against the spirit. Now when he said, with my spirit I will serve the living God, he's trying to say, I no longer want to depend on my natural activity by implication. Trying to live right. Let me put it that way. Struggling to be holy. I don't know if you follow what I'm saying. I stop struggling to become righteous. Let my spirit work it out. Let the Christ in me work it out. Are you following what I'm saying? Did you listen to what I said there? Hallelujah. So it comes to a place discover that when you struggle to live right, you may not be relating to the spirit within you because it's external. You are doing that based on your inside, your sight. Your natural sight of feelings. Are you listening to me? Hallelujah. But you see, there is a root in your life already. There is a seed in your life already. And I've already been illustrating that. If you plant a tree, at the end of the day, when the tree wants to bear fruit, it's going to bear the fruit based on the seed that you sowed into the soil. Is that not true? Now, what am I trying to make you understand? There is already a holy seed in you. And you only need to allow that holy seed to grow. And you will bear the fruit of the holy seed that is planted in your life. You are the soil for the seed of Christ. Are you listening? Just like you were soil for the seed of who? Of Adam. Are you listening? Praise the living God. So here we find that the judgment is based on deeds. Now, like I want to reemphasize, we our salvation is for the merits and the acceptance of Christ, not because of what we can do or what we did. You are not saved because you struggle to be saved. Am I correct? Hallelujah. Romans 1 tells us precisely that He gave us the grace to believe Him. Now let's move on now. Oh, where am I here? It's suspected that every judgment is that not true? Is that the place I am? 
lake is flowing from the throne. That is what Daniel is only writing about here. What he saw also is that there was a river coming from the throne and the river caused a flame of fire or a lake of fire. It simply means the throne of God contains fire. Are you following me? Hallelujah. Listen, both of them are describing the same thing, which is the throne of God that has to do with what? The judgment of God. Praise the living God, somebody. Are you listening? All right. Now, so in as I saw this, other translation, what you are going to see is the river. Like what I wrote there, uh, the passage I copied from, he said, let me read it from the outline. I kept looking. On the thrones were set up, and the ancient of days took his seat. His virtue was white snow, and the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was ablaze with flames. Its wings were a burning fire. And what? A river of fire was flowing and coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands were standing. Him and myriad upon myriads were standing before him. The court sat and the books were open. Hallelujah. Now, what the key thing I want you to understand is the river I was flowing from the throne. And that river is typified as what? Blazing fire. Amen. Now, the same thing with the lake of fire. So, God's throne is made up of fire. And that is why Hebrew 12 29 also said, God is a consuming fire. Are you listening to me? Now, let's progress. I want to make you see now, what is this fire that is protesting from the throne of God? It is because it is based on that fire that is proceeding that these people are to be judged. Are you, are you getting what I'm talking about now? Praise the living God. Okay, remember, it's a court that has been put in place. Judgment is taking place. This is a court setting. God is the chief judge or the chief magistrate in this court. Are you listening to me? Alright. Praise the Lord. Now let's move on. Uh, now, observe this. What John called the lake of fire in the book of Revelation, Daniel is here describing as a river of fire. Is it clear? It is the same thing. It means God's throne is set is fire. In fact, a lake or a river of fire. Is it clear? Hallelujah. Now, what, what then is the throne of God? The throne of God, which is the same thing as the lake or the river of fire, is God's own justice being administered to the sinners. Hallelujah. Did you follow what I said there? He sat on throne. Everything that is coming out of him was not about what fire. River was flowing. And that river is fire. And he's flowing towards the people who are standing before him to be judged. It simply means he's judging the people based on this lake of fire. Am I correct? Hallelujah. Now let's try to find out exactly what this lake of fire is. But what determines the nature of his justice? It is simply the law of God. For it is the law that defines sin 
Jodisi. Am I correct? Listen closely to this. God doesn't judge people until laws have been made. In fact, St. Paul said it. Before the law, there was no transgression. Can you remember that? Good. Before the law, he said there was what? No transgression. It that means there was God was not recording anything as sin before the law came in. Now, now that the law came in and sin are committed, on what ground do you expect God to just sin? How would God define sin? Can somebody help us? Define it by what? By the law. Therefore, he's going to judge you by the law or through the law. Am I correct? Are you listening? For instance, say, thou shalt not steal. That's the law. Okay? Now, if you if you have to if you if you steal at all, how do you think God is going to judge you? He's going to bring the book and say, the book said, thou shalt not steal. Is it clear? Now, until that pronouncement that shall not steal is there, God has no ground to do what? To judge. Therefore, if God's throne is comprising of the law, because remember, in the book of the... In the, in the, the Bible makes us understand, as a matter of fact, that kings do rule through the law. Is that not true? Good. That is why he discovered that he can go to Solomon. Because two people have a problem. He has to pass judgment. And he has to use the law. Are you following it now? Kings do rule through the law. Now, he sat as a king and as a judge. Therefore, the only thing he can apply to judge the people standing before him was what? The law. So, whatever thing is proceeding from his throne, which is probably what you call the lake of fire, is nothing more than the law. I don't know if you are following what I'm talking about. God cannot judge without the law. So whatever thing is proceeding from his throne is nothing but what? The law. Because this was a court case. Every high court chief judge or magistrate must administer the court based on the laws of the land. Am I correct? Good. So if the throne is proceeding as a lake or as a river, of course, the lake and the river equals what? The laws of God. Because without that, God cannot judge the people. Are you listening to me? Praise the living God. Hmm. I know this may be a little bit confusing, but it's simple. Hallelujah. Now let's progress. Now when we talk about the throne... Is that the place I am? Okay. So, was it, but what determines the nature of this justice? It is simply the law of God. For it is the law that finds sin, and it is the law that judges sin. Now, when we talk about a throne, all over the world, it's the symbol of the law by which a king rules or judges his people. Is that not true? Hallelujah. When we use the word throne, he says somebody sat on the throne or somebody sitting on the throne. It just simply means the person has power. Hallelujah. Now, there is no power without laws. 
laborer can do anything based on the laws of the land. And of course, not anything. It is as his position and the law confines authority on him. Am I right? That is why there are certain things you want to say, the house of sinner, the house of rent, all of those people, we have to go into debate. Are you listening to me? That is why there have to be a constitution. So, there are issues you want to venture into. If the constitution does not back him up, an individual, if it is really democratic, can take him to court. Are you listening to what I'm talking about? His power is directly limited to what is vested on him by the laws of the land. I'm not making sense to you. God himself binds himself based on the laws he has put down in terms of his relationship to man. So he can't judge outside of his laws. Let me give you one typical example here. You know, the Bible says, a tooth for a tooth and an eye for an eye. That was the law of God. Is that not true? Good. Now, was God actually expecting us to somebody, you know, pluck your teeth, you must take him to God and then your own teeth will go. Huh? Slap me as far back. People say that is the law of Moses. Now, we thank God it was the law of Moses, but it's the law of God. Now, let me tell you how that was fulfilled. You see, the Lord knows that there has to be equal compensation for every offense committed. Are you listening? Now, man fell. And then there was this animal sacrifice that the shrine you go to. Why do you think people in the shrine still offer blood? They want to appease the gods. Okay? They want to compensate. Sometimes you hear stories. People go to the doctor say, go and bring a goat. What they are looking for is not the flesh of the goat, it's the blood. Are you listening to me? Okay. Now, for man to be redeemed, God's law must be fulfilled. Therefore, the sacrifices he ordered in the Old Testament cannot redeem man because they do not have the equivalent of the blood of a man. So for God to fulfill that law of a tooth for a tooth and eye for an eye, he himself has to die in a person called Jesus so that man can be redeemed. That we equal the blood that committed the offense. Are you listening to what I'm saying? So the Lord bind him in relation to man's relationship. Did you follow what I said there? The Bible says he partook of flesh and blood so that in that dimension he might redeem us. And that is how he fulfilled that law. Are you following it now? So if he's going to judge humanity, he cannot judge humanity outside of what? His laws. So whatever thing is proceeding from his throne must be what? The laws of God. Is it becoming clearer to you? Alright. So whether it be lake or river, is talking about what? The laws of God. Let's see how this works out. Praise the living God. Now, it is the king's authority, that is the law. Okay? So, how are the laws of God described in the Bible? In Deuteronomy 33 verse 2, just turn there and see. Deuteronomy chapter 33 and verse 2. Let me read from verse 1. And this is a blessing wherewith Moses, the 
the man of God bless the children of Israel before his death. And he said, The Lord came from Sinai and rose up from fire unto them. He shined forth from my power. And he came with ten thousands of saints from his right hand. Went what? A fiery law for them. Fiery flame. Fiery law. The word fiery, that means fire. So the Lord of God is standing as what? Fire. And he said, the fire came from his right hand. Praise the living God, somebody. Now remember, he's talking about the experience of my signer. What did God give to the people in my signer? The laws of God. Are you listening? That's what you call the Lord of Moses. Praise the living of somebody. Are you following this? Okay. That is what he gave to them. Now they call it fiery law. It is the same thing. That is what Daniel was describing when he said, From the throne proceeded a fiery river of stream of fire. Praise the living God. So what we are trying to establish before us tonight is that, God's judgment, which has to do with His throne and authority, is directly connected to what? The laws of God. Let's progress. And so in Daniel 33 verse 2, we read Moses talking about what happened. Among Sinai, when he gave the laws, he said, The Lord came from Sinai and rose up from Sinai unto them. He shined forth from my parent, and he came with ten thousands of saints. From his right hand went a fiery law for them. Now, look at it closely. What John called lake of fire, Daniel called what? River of fire. Moses called what? Fiery law. Is it clear to us? It's all the same thing. It's all the same thing. Hallelujah. Amen. And they were all describing one thing. What is it? The throne of God. Is it land? Whether you call it lake of fire, or river of fire, or fiery law, it's all describing one thing, and that is what? The throne of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay. Therefore, we can, therefore we conclude that truly, the lake of fire is nothing more than God's judgment upon sinners, but what is the nature of this judgment? It is simply spiritual and not literal because the throne, which is the lake of fire, represents the law. It is clearly stated that the law is spiritual. In Romans chapter 7 verse 14, the law is spiritual. That's what the Bible says. So the law is spiritual. The judgment is also what? Spiritual. And so the fire is what? Spiritual. Am I making sense to you? None of these things are carnal or natural. So you can't be talking of literal fire. No, you can talk of spiritual fire, not literal fire. Therefore, your hellfire is spiritual and not literal. Hallelujah. Are you, are you still getting what I'm saying? You know, it's 
like what people read in the book of Romans. I mean, Revelation 20, I'm talking about the devil that's going to be chained with a big chain. How do you, is devil a human being? Has anybody traveled on the road and saw devil on the road and devil was coming, he decides to take left because the devil was passing right? Have you seen anything like that? How do you use chain? The chain used to chain your dog or anything to go and chain devil. But that's the way we picture. But this is our spiritual. To chain is to bind. Is to put on that subject and to restrain. Hallelujah. And that's why I say, give you power to bind. That's how you chain the devil. You don't wait for Jesus to chain the devil. You are to chain the devil. Hallelujah. Now, since the lake is the determining factor in this matter, it can clearly define for us again what ought to be the end of the judgment. Since the Lord clearly says, the wages of sin is what? Death. And the sword of sin that shall do what? Shall die. Hence, we do not see how The final outcome of the lake of fire's justice will be eternal torment. Rather, it will be death to the old man resulting in what? A purified life. Praise God somebody. Hallelujah. <laughs> if the law says the wages of sin is death, and judgment is based on the law. Are you hearing what I'm talking about? God cannot have eternal torment because that is not part of His law. Did that make sense to you? God, God cannot go beyond His law. <laughs> Are you following this now? It can't go beyond His law. Because the Lord simply says, the wages of sin is what? Death. And that's where it ended. So to teach eternal torment forever and ever is outside of the laws of God. And there is no way God can bring it to that level. Because that is not part of the laws He has given. It is not found in His throne. It is not found in His book. It does not have any authority for that. Can somebody say Amen? Am I making sense to you? Praise the living God, somebody. So this is what I want you to understand. The lake of fire is nothing more than the laws of God. And the end of the lake of fire is death and not what? Eternal torment forever and ever and ever and ever. That is not true. And when you take this in line with what we said two weeks ago about Jubilee, you will certainly agree that it can be nothing like what? Eternal fire forever and ever. Praise God, somebody. But then, there is a fire. It must burn you. It must burn me. Because we are all sacrifices. Let me tell you this. This must be strange. This is not part of the teachings of the, of the church. But people are gradually coming into it. We are already getting more people getting interested in knowing this truth. And very soon, the church who are prepared to change, they will change. Hallelujah. This is not a license for anybody to commit sin. Because the ways of sin is still dead. He 
In fact, somebody said inflation does not affect sin. That is to say, there is no inflation and there is no deflation. It is still what it is. The wages of sin is still what? Death. You die spiritually and you can still die physically. You can still find yourself in the lake of fire. But the ultimate end of it is that one day in God's own program, there is a place for jubilee. Praise the living God somebody.